Hey guys, welcome back to this edition of the Inside Scoop. I'm David Owen. We recently produced a really informative program about addiction. Though a program on vaping and opioids, we focused on vaping because it's been a growing problem among our students over the past few years. Please give a listen as the program's host, Ross Cavett, discusses these issues with the experts and provides resources for students and parents facing the addiction battle. everybody and welcome to our show this evening on breaking the cycle combating the teen vaping and opioid abuse problem in Cobb County and elsewhere we're bringing together the resources of the Cobb County School District the Cobb and Douglas Public Health folks Cobb County government and the Marietta schools to talk about some of these issues the problems that are in society and our schools today the challenges of dealing with it and an ever-evolving situation and hopefully look for some solutions and ways that we as parents and adults and uh, supervisors can address the situation, both vaping, which has become an increasing problem, and opioid abuse, which is a problem throughout society, not just the school districts or here, obviously, in Cobb County. My name is Ross Cavett. I am a former TV reporter here in Atlanta. For the last several years, I've been the communications director with Cobb County, and I would just want to facilitate the discussion this evening as we go through this issue and hear various aspects about it. We have a series of guests that will be joining us throughout this program. I'm starting with two ladies off to my right right now. The one closest to me is Lori Judy. She has a master's of Uh, public health from Tulane University and has been working in the role of overdose response specialist with Cobb and Douglas Public Health since January of 2020, coordinating the Cobb County Opioid Task Force, which is a group of first responders, government officials, healthcare providers, people in recovery, and other stakeholders who come together to address this crisis. And then next to her is Laura Searcy, who is a pediatric nurse practitioner with firsthand uh, knowledge of the impact of substance abuse and addiction on children, families, and communities. She's dedicated her efforts toward primary prevention of youth, substance abuse, tobacco prevention and control, building resilience in children, and addressing the worsening youth behavior health crisis. Welcome to you both. That is a mouthful, but we have a lot to talk about. And Lori, let's start with you. Kind of help us put this whole thing into perspective when it comes to the uh, issue of opioid uh, abuse among adolescents. Um, okay, so I'm going to talk about vaping real, really f- quickly. First, just to say that uh, vaping among adolescents has gone way up. Uh, the, the last youth behavioral health survey that uh, was taken in 2019 showed about 7% of adolescents were vaping. That has gone up to one in four um, middle and high school students these days are now vaping. Um, so... The Surgeon General has recently said that more high school students are vaping than adults. So that has become, um, that's, that has gone way up since the pandemic. Um, opioids, it's looking a little bit different. Um, it's a big problem for our population and their 
30s to 40s. Um, in Cobb County, we have not seen a big problem of, of opioids in kids. Um, we had about 119 people die of opioid overdose in Cobb County in 2021, but none of those people, fortunately, were under the age of 21. However, in the state of Georgia, we had 36 kids die of opioid overdoses in 2021, and 35 of those were apparently a fentanyl. Um, and that is about a 770% increase from 2019 in deaths in children for opioids. Um, and that actually uh, is about 3.6 times higher in a rate than uh, the people who are above age 20. So those are pretty depressing statistics. Um, is there anything we can glean or, or take as any sort of positive development, anything you've seen recently? Um, like I said, uh, we are in Cobb County, or we're not really seeing these opioid overdoses in children, so we have the opportunity right now to just get ahead of the problem, and that's one of the reasons why we're uh, talking to parents now is because before it starts to affect our kids, we want you guys to know what your resources are and, and, and what to look out for. Okay, Laura, seriously, kids think they're bulletproof. Mm -hmm. We all know that. Nothing can hurt them. Uh, why is putting anything into their bodies of these illicit substances harmful to them? There's a great deal of brain development that goes on between the ages of 10 and doesn't completely finish until about age 25. And for all the parents of teenagers or college students out there, with your sons, if you said they're still teenagers until they're 25, you know you were ahead of science, you're 100% right. But the important thing for any kind of substance use or addictive problem, any use of any substance with addictive potential between the ages of 10 and 25 is dangerous and risky and has the potential for serious health consequences. Now, I'm not saying that every kid who experiments with nicotine or alcohol or marijuana is going to develop a, an addiction problem, but we do know that nine out of 10 folks who are in treatment for substance mis misuse disorders sometimes in their lives, nine out of 10 started using before the age of 18. So the take home message here, there are no soft drugs, hard drugs, more dangerous drugs, less dangerous drugs, when you're under 21. Any use of any substance with addictive potential hijacks, damages the development of the brain's risk and reward system, and besides the particular dangers of the particular drug of choice, all of those have long-term consequences for the, for the development of a brain. So you're talking long-term consequences that are not reversible? In some cases reversible, in some cases not. But um, especially the, uh, and, and you know, with marijuana and vaping marijuana or marijuana use and nicotine use, one of the more disturbing things that we're seeing is um, the mental health and behavioral health aspects. For both marijuana use and nicotine use, uh, th those have been Studies have clearly linked those to increased risks of anxiety, depression, uh, reduced ability to learn, reduced ability to concentrate, long-term reduction in impulse control. Now, as a mom, I often looked at my kids when they did something dumb and brainless and said, what were you thinking? And you know that's a waste of breath because there's no thought involved. But kids don't need anything to make them have more difficulty with impulse control. 
and we're in a behavioral health crisis with our kids with anxiety and depression and substance use and suicide. And even what a lot of folks in my generation used to consider like the harmless uh, rite of passage drugs like alcohol and nicotine, marijuana, we know that they're harmless. Addiction, if you look at it as a city on a roadmap, there's a lot of pathways to it. And all those pathways start with substance experimentation in the teens. We have a message we want to play uh, along these lines in just a second. I want to hit you with one more question, though, before we go to that. Lori, next to you, gave us some pretty dire statistics about what is happening now uh, in the youth. So if this isn't changed somehow, what do you think the future ramifications for society as a whole might be? You know, I think all of us want our kids to grow up to reach their maximum potential, to grow up to be happy, healthy, fully functioning adults, being able to have healthy, sustaining relationships. And the use of these substances is gonna harm them, their ability to reach their potential. And we do know that substance use also is generational. 25% of kids in the United States of America are currently growing up in households where there is some substance misuse. So we've got some intergenerational effects. So I'm an upstream prevention person. You know, we can talk about treatment and recovery and we need those things, but we need to stop it before it starts. And that means educating everybody that kids should stay substance free through their teens. All right, speaking of that, we have a message that kind of addresses that, and if they're ready, we can play that right now. It's important to understand that everyone in the world has addictions, or rather natural addictions, to things that are good, like food, water, and sleep. These natural addictions are important for our health and survival, and without them, we would not hunger or crave the things we need to survive. Now, we aren't exactly born with these natural addictions. Our body creates them. Let's look at an example. When you bite into an apple, your brain says, yum. Your brain recognizes that this apple is good for you. It has nutrition, vitamins, and gives your body the energy it needs to survive. Whenever the brain recognizes something that's good, it releases a chemical called dopamine. Dopamine causes you to experience pleasure. It's what makes you feel good, like when biting into an apple. The brain releases this dopamine in order to teach the body that this is healthy and good for your survival, and that it should remember to do it again. Now, there are other things we do that can release the pleasurable dopamine, like playing video games, exercising, or reading a good book. However, the amount of dopamine released during these activities is less than what's released when we eat food. The brain does this so it can recognize which is more important. So if you go two days without reading a book, or two days without eating food, your body is going to crave the food over the book. As such, your brain creates what's called a hierarchy of survival, which ranks how important each of these things is to your survival. Now, there are some things that will not cause the release of dopamine, like eating soap or punching yourself in the face. The brain knows that these things are not good and therefore does not release the pleasurable dopamine because your brain does not want you to do it again. Now, let's look at alcohol, marijuana, tobacco, and other drugs. These are all classified carcinogens, proven to cause cancer and other fatal diseases. Now, your brain should recognize that these things are harmful to your body. However, these substances have special chemical characteristics that fool the brain into releasing dopamine, oftentimes in much greater amounts than the body has ever experienced before. Because of this, the body is fooled into thinking that these things are good and important, sometimes even more important than food, water, or sleep. 
and consequently hijacks the number one spot in your survival hierarchy. So now, if you go two days without eating or two days without drinking alcohol, your body will actually crave the alcohol over the food. This is an extreme case of addiction, where the person addicted believes that they will die if they don't get it. The severity of the addiction depends on where the alcohol or drug lies within your hierarchy of survival, and can increase even with casual use. Research shows that people under the age of 21 are at the highest risk of having their survival hierarchy hijacked. Why? Because their brains are still growing and developing and are hypersensitive to false shocks of dopamine caused by these harmful substances. By 21, the brain is more fully developed and mature, and the survival hierarchy becomes more permanent and less susceptible to getting hijacked. The flip side is that once you are 21, it becomes very difficult to remove these harmful substances from your survival hierarchy. Studies show that 9 out of 10 people who currently struggle with addiction started drinking, smoking, or using before the age of 21. Understanding addiction as a preventable disease can help save millions of lives. The decision to wait until 21 could mean the difference between a life enslaved by addiction or a life full of success and accomplishment. Want to learn more? Visit us at wait21.org. All right, we're back on set with uh, Breaking the Cycle, and we uh, have Lori, Laura Searcy with us here, Lori Judy as well. We have some more guests that will be joining us momentarily. But Laura, uh, the uh, pediatric nurse practitioner, when, I was, when my kids were going through Cobb County Schools, vaping was just becoming a thing. Mm -hmm. And at the time, it seemed that I remember it was being advertised as a safer alternative to smoking. But, but really, what are kids potentially putting in their bodies today and, and what harm is it doing to them? Well, Russ, there's an adult conversation about vaping and there's a youth conversation about vaping. For an adult that's been vaping for, for smoking for 60 years and has chronic obstructive lung disease and has been unable or unwilling to quit smoking, vaping might be a safer alternative for them. But there is no safe use of any nicotine or tobacco product for kids. No one who has never used a tobacco product should ever start. Now, the vaping devices that have come along are very, very um, cleverly able to be disguised. They come in all shapes and sizes. We all know about Juul. Uh, there's new disposables. They look like pens. They look like thumb drives. They're easy to hide. They're easy to use without anybody knowing you're using them. You can duck. There's even vaping clothing where you can hide your vapes. But, uh, but make no bones about it. Any use of any of these devices, which all contain nicotine, 99% on the market in very high concentrations. Uh, and nicotine is one of the most addictive drugs out there. And kids with these new high nicotine disposable vape devices are getting hooked fast and getting hooked on nicotine hard. And uh, the tobacco companies just hope they turn into the next generation of nicotine users of all types. I'm a, I'm a non-smoker, lifetime non-smoker, but my, my dad was a smoker. Uh, and I saw how difficult it was for him to stop. Mm -hmm. So when kids get involved in this stuff, how difficult it is, is it for them to stop? It is difficult. And uh, one of the difficulties is that all we, we hear about smoking cessation medications that doctors can prescribe and uh, other health care providers can prescribe for adults. None of those are, um, are indicated for use under the age of 18. So you can um, use them in some circumstances. So there's, uh, we really were catching up in the health care, but 
but the American Academy of Pediatrics has just come out with guidelines for healthcare practitioners, and there are a lot of mobile and web and text-based cessation programs that have come online that are really helpful for kids. So if you find out your kid's been been, uh, been, been vaping or using nicotine and they're having trouble getting through a day without taking a hit of their vape pen or whatever, there are things you can do to help. All right, I appreciate it. Laura, seriously, thank you very much. Lori, Judy, stay there. Uh, we're going to keep you guys on the set, have more questions for you later. But coming up next, we're going to bring on the law and talk about uh, what's going on in schools. That's coming up. I don't think that many kids in my son's school even do it. He makes fun of his friend who vapes. He would never try it. She's in a soccer. She's on the honor roll. She's just not the type. No way. No way. No way. way. My kid would never vape. Get your head out of the cloud. Today, nearly 8,000 kids will start vaping. Maybe even yours. Learn about the dangers at talkaboutvaping.org. All right, welcome back to the set. And we brought on our next guest who um, is with the Cobb County School District. Uh, Lieutenant Mike Wilson has been a law enforcer for what, 35 years now? Uh, various different jobs. You were with the military at one point. You and I butted, well, we didn't butt heads when you were in Atlanta, but we met each other yes. and professionally interacted yes. um, together when I was a reporter and you were a police officer. And you've been with Cobb County Schools for how long now? 11 years now. 11 years. And what are you doing with the department? I like the operations. I've put out a lot of fires, deal with the principals, uh, officer assignments, you know, so it's it's pretty uh, busy. Okay, you said you were putting out fires, so let's talk about vaping. Yeah. Uh, how, how, how bad of an issue, big of an issue is it in Cobb County Schools? Well, you know, we're seeing a lot of vaping uh, among our students in schools. Uh, it seems like it's, it's increased over the years. Um, kids are vaping from, it started uh, with mostly nicotine, uh, and then it progressed to marijuana. And now we're seeing a lot of the THC vapes. And we're seeing kids even in the middle school with vaping now. So you're seeing them. How are they being seen? How are they being caught? Well, um, one thing that we encourage our officers to do is to get to know the kids. And a lot of times kids will tell the officers, so-and-so has a vape. Uh, and that's one way. The administration is uh, same same situation. Kids telling the administrators uh, who has vapes. And then sometimes... Um, Ross, the kids would be in the bathroom, and you could smell the smoke coming out into the hallways. Yeah, yeah my, my wife used to work at Walton High School. I, I've told you before, and there was a lot of administrators walking through the hallways with their nose up in the air. And, and as you mentioned, that's, that's kind of how they were caught back, yes. uh, back then. So let's just say my uh, daughter or grandson in the future gets caught vaping. What happens? Well, it depends on what she's caught with. Let's say, let's take nicotine first. Let's say nicotine and marijuana. Those are gonna be misdemeanor charges. And from our officers, we're gonna you know, initiate charges if they're an adult. They'll be arrested with an arrest warrant, uh, or they can be taken into custody to Cobb County Detention Center. Uh, if it's a juvenile, uh, we'll, most of the time we release them to the parents, but we will file a juvenile complaint form for a misdemeanor still. Now, if it's THC, which is synthetic, it's man-made, it's more potent than marijuana. Those are felony charges. And so we're trying to educate these kids that that's a felony. Um, you know, that could mess up your entire career, your life, uh, just for a smoke with, with THC in it. So how do you tell what is in the vape? We have um, test kits. 
that we that our officers use. A lot of schools will purchase the test kits for the officers. We don't totally rely on those. What we do is we'll make the charge, send those test kits and the test over to the GBI. And they'll, they're pretty good about getting us results back. Um, sometimes they get them back within a couple of weeks, sometimes a, a month. But those charges are still placed on those children yeah. and students. Any particular areas that are trouble spots? Or are you seeing this district-wide? This is district-wide. No particular areas. It's just district-wide. Yeah. So my dad used to like to talk <clears throat> about having people come and talk some sense into me. Um, so how do, we, how do we do that in the schools? What, what are you doing to try to educate not just the students, I assume, but parents as well about this problem? Well, first and foremost, we, we encourage our officers to get to know the kids. And in, getting the, in the process of getting to know them, being a mentor, we talk to them about various parts of life. Vaping, smoking, using drugs is one of those facets that we try to talk to the kids about. Uh, the other thing is we started getting the administration, encouraging them to make announcements, educating the kids of how serious vaping is, not just for your health, but how you can get in trouble from the, from the law standpoint. Yeah, and you probably heard these two ladies talk about A, how prevalent of a problem this is becoming, and B, the potential long-term health impacts that um, some of these students could be facing if they continue down this. And just on a personal level, how does that affect you when you deal with these issues in, in, among students? Well, it's sad because, again, I know, as well as uh, my guests on the panel, they know, we, we all know how serious it is and the long-term effects. These children, they don't know. And so we, that's, that's one of the biggest reasons we try to reach out to them, educate them, try to talk to the parents, and get the parents involved, because a lot of this starts at home with parents. So, speaking of which, how does that go when you get the parents involved? <laughs> I would like to say all positive, but we know in the real world that's not the case. Um, some parents are not my child. My child is not that person, or this can't happen to my child. And unfortunately, we see it happen. Um, then there are other parents that, that embrace what we're trying to do, and they're very supportive. So, so last question. You have, a, you have an offender that just, you just can't get them to stop. What, what remedy or what could happen to them as far as... Um, their continued education in the Cobb County School District? Well, ultimately, the school district has the authority to remove them from school. They can dispel, expel them from school. Um, and, and again, that's an administrative issue, but they can be expelled from Cobb County Schools. Okay, last question real quick. Just your message to the parents who are out there watching it today about the problem and what they should be doing. Parents, get to know what your kids are doing. Um, talk to them. Uh, educate them the importance of not using drugs encourage them to go to school to get their education. And if you can do that, and, and, and just don't be afraid to check to see what your children are doing. If they're living in your house, you have a right to check their room to see what they're doing. It's, it's ultimately up to you how your kids, your students, um, how, they success, how they're successful in life. Okay. Well, speaking of which, we're going to have a very personal look at that issue and how parents handled the situation or maybe how they could have handled it better. And that'll be coming up right after this break. Hey, thanks for giving this a listen. Join us again next week as we continue this discussion. If you just can't wait that long, check out the video version on our YouTube channel. We put the link in our show notes. As always, thank you for listening to The Inside Scoop, a podcast produced by the Cobb County School District.